In Western culture, and especially in America, we have this vision of the loner, the lone wolf, the one who's out there on his own, usually, right? It's usually a he when we see it in the movies. It's just one person out there who's against the world, going to make it all on their own, going to do it all, all by themselves. Mostly a lie. Nobody does what they do on their own. I mean, they didn't get born by themselves. They didn't hatch out of some egg, and even if they had hatched out of some egg, something had to create the egg for them to hatch out of. So at least on that level, they're, 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 not, they're not disconnected in that sense from the rest of the world. But it, it is interesting that we, we have this thing about the individual, the loner, the one who makes it on their own. And I know for myself that there have been times when, when I needed to reach out for help and I thought that I was weak because I needed help. I should be able to do this on my own. I should be able to make it through by myself. It's not how we were created. It's not how we were made. What's interesting, though, is, um, and I, want, I wonder if you knew this, um, single-person households are now tied, they're the highest, they're the largest number of households tied with childless couples in our country right now. Single-person households. So we have a lot of people that are living alone. More people maybe than ever who are living alone by themselves. And so I wonder sometimes about that. Like, is that, is that because they want to be disconnected? Is that just a matter of function of um, how, we, how, how we've organized our society? Is that part of a living out of this idea that I need to be able to make it on my own without the help of other people? Now, I don't want to say it's a bad thing, right? Because we create community in, in all kinds of different ways, especially today. As we study, as we study community, what we find across, across history and even, um, even in our social networks now, what we find is if you put yourself in the center of a circle you, and, and you draw a ring around the people that are closest to you, there are probably about five that are closest to you. You have five people that you spend most time with, talk to the most, um, you know, would share your deepest, darkest secrets with, that sort of thing. And then the next ring, um, we, I, I, think we, uh, I think they call this your sympathy ring, is, is, is around 15 more people. And, the, and, these, and these are people that if they died, you would be very affected. I mean, we're always affected when someone dies, but that, that it, would be, it, would be, it would be a major, a major life um, change for you. So about 15 people. So we go 5, 15, and then, and then it sort of goes to like 150. So it's interesting 
that we go 5, 15, 150. It's it, like 10 times the amount. Human beings, your brain, you can only have, um, you really can only have, a, a, you have enough capacity for about 150 relationships in your life. People that you remember their faces as well as their names. That you know something more about them than just maybe where they work. And then outside of that ring is, you know, 500 or 1,000 people, 500 probably, that you know their face, maybe you don't remember their names. That's why throughout human history, um, most of the time what you see is that when, when a group, a tribe, a community gets larger than 150 people, it breaks off. In indigenous um, cultures, and, and, and especially, I've studied the Great Plains Indians some, that's about what happened with the Great Plains Indians too, is about every time you'd get to 150, one of the young bucks would get mad at the chief and go start his own tribe. And so you end up having like 5,000 different permutations of, of, of American Indians, probably more Native Americans in, in the United States because they just kept separating. Sounds like Protestants, doesn't it? I don't agree with what you said about Jesus today. I'm going to go form my own church. There are so many churches in Richmond right now that have about 150 people in worship. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? People have told me here, I don't want, to get, I don't want Westminster to get too much bigger because I won't know everybody. You don't know everybody now. Right? I mean, you think you do because you, you see their face. You're, you're pretty familiar with it. You, pro- you probably know their name because there are about 150 of us that come to worship on a regular basis. It's an interesting, interesting thing, this thing about relationship. The series that we're, that we're in right now is we're calling Becoming Human. Becoming Human. And last week I talked about creation about, about being created and about being connected with the earth, being connected with the universe, that, that literally we are all stardust made from the elements of the universe. And what a cool idea that is, that we are all connected in that way. And if you study string theory, you really get your mind blown about about how connected we really, really are. And so that story in the Bible in Genesis, right? I'm going to read it to you. It's Genesis chapter 2, and it starts with verse 18. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man, or Adam, should be alone. I will make him a helper as his partner. So out of the ground, again, out of the dirt, out of the elements of the universe, God, the Lord God, formed every animal of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to the man to see what the man would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. Wouldn't that be cool? I mean, how do you come up with platypus? Right? I mean, there's all kinds of jokes about this, but 
think about this, this story, right? And just the beauty of it that we human beings, God created us to be stewards of this earth. And then God trusted human beings to name the animals, to give them names. There's ancient traditions that talk about that if you know the true name of something, you have power over it, right? But this, in this, in this Genesis story, we hear that that first human got to name the animals. That's just, I just love this, love it so much. It's so beautiful. The Lord God formed every animal of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all cattle and to the birds of the air, to every animal of the field. And so here's, it's beautiful. And then, and then here's the word, but. Side note, when you're speaking with someone, every time you, you say something and then you say the word but, you just negated everything that went before. So if you say to, to, to your coworker, you know, you're doing a really good job, but you just negated everything that you said before that. But imagine if you said, you're doing a really good job and I'd like to see you do X, Y, and Z. Feels different, doesn't it? Just side note. But for the man, there was not found a helper as his partner. There wasn't amongst the animals something, someone, some creature suitable to be that companion, to be that helper, to be that partner. I mean, we talk about, you know, um, Man's best friend, the rhino, right? No, what is it? The dog, right? Man's best friend is a dog. And if, and if, you, and if you live here in Dogtown, I mean Carytown, you know, I mean, who, who, who has a dog? Come on, raise them high. How many, how many people? Wow, we're low. I, I mean, a lot of, I mean, there's just, I mean, you, if you go to any festival in this town, I mean, it is, it is dog city. There are, there are more dogs than people. Um, but not suitable to be the kind of partner and helper that we're talking about here. Great for companionship, great to be around. Many wonderful things about, about having a pet. I mean, not, not saying that, but just in terms of being in connection with humans. There was not found a helper as a partner, so the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and he slept, and he took out one of his ribs and closed up the place with flesh. That's one of the, again, this is an origin story. They, they, they looked around and they went, why is it that Howie has one less rib than Casey, his partner? Well, God must have taken it out and made her from it. That's how it worked, right? That's, I mean, they're describing an, an, you know, an anatomy issue because as they looked at men, they were like, oh, they got one less rib. What's up with that? It's very strange. So they added it into this, to the telling of this beautiful creation story. Took out of, uh, uh, one of his ribs out and closed up the space with the flesh and the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man he made into a woman and brought, to, brought her to the man. And the man said, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. This one shall be called woman for out of man this one was taken. 
So that's how we get man and woman, at least in the English, um, in the English translation. And so this is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. This, that there, now, now we have a suitable companion, both made out of, of stardust, but, but made out of the very, the, 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 the very structure of each other. And we were created for companionship. We were created not to be alone. Why is it that solitary confinement is such a powerful and horrible way to treat inmates? Because being by yourself without any human interaction is horrible. It means I know some of you would, would, would love that just for five minutes, right? <laughs> Leave me alone. Let me go in my cave, right? But too much time alone is not good for us humans. We were made for companionship. In Ecclesiastes, it says, uh, in chapter 4, it says, in verse 9, it says, Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift the other up. But woe to one who is alone and falls and does not have another to help. Again, if two lie together and keep warm, how... Uh, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though one might prevail against another, two will withstand one. And then it throws in this last little thing. A threefold cord is not easily broken. A threefold cord. Well, if you... Trinity. Well, the Trinity... But also, if you fast forward to the New Testament and something Jesus says, he says, wherever two or three are gathered, there I am among them. A threefold cord, so that when we are in relationship with each other, it is not just us. God's Spirit is present with us in a different and powerful way. We were made for relationship. We were made for companionship. So I want you to think for a moment about the relationships that you have. I want you to think, I want you to think not just about the ones that are closest to you, but I want you to think about that, the, the ones that maybe reach out to that 150 mark. And generally what happens is, is we have, throughout our lives, we end up grouping in you know, smaller numbers within that. Some of it's based on where we went to school. You know? Um, maybe you were part of a fraternity or a sorority. Uh, maybe you belong to a certain gym. Right? right? Right now, like CrossFit gyms, it's like they're, they're a community. Like they, they, I mean, they raise money for stuff and they do this together and they do that together. If you're part of a running group, maybe you're part of a, maybe you're part of a book club, Maybe you're on the PTA. What are, those, what are those groups that you're a part of? I just want you to sort of bring some of those to mind. Where are you in community with your neighbors? I don't mean the ones that are just next door, but think about those. And I want you to think about how they got formed and then how you stay in touch with them. 
What's the rhythm of that group? Do you meet every week? Do you meet a couple of times a week? Is it once a month? Once a year? Twice a year? What? How is it that you connect with that group and stay connected? And then now what I want to ask is, how is it that you as a follower of Jesus are connecting with people to strengthen your faith and to live out your faith beyond Sunday morning? Is there a place where you are living out your faith in a very purposeful way with a group? It could be a Bible study. It could be, you know, that you just you sit down and you just you talk about you talk about the issues of the world and how does how do I how do I figure out, you know, where God is in the midst of this? But where is that? Because one of the things that we that we're that we're finding among among folks who have been Christians for a long time is that Sunday morning is about it. We connect with all kinds of other communities. We're very involved. We're very knowledgeable. But when it comes to engaging with our faith, that group outside of Sunday morning is missing. And so if you think about it, if you, I mean, if, if you... If you want to learn something, if you want to grow in learning, you're going to surround yourself with people who know more than you, who can teach you, and you're going to surround yourself with people who you're helping bring up, right? It's going to be sort of a, a multiverse of, of people. If you, if, if you are someone who works out or goes to a gym and you've connected with a group of people, um, I know, I know a, number of, a number of people are runners in here or, or do MMA or do, do, uh, do jiu-jitsu or, or some sort of martial art or, or whatever. Um, there, there's a, there's, a, there's a, a community that forms around that, but you've got a teacher and you've got followers and you have people that are striving together and they lift one another up and they move forward. Or try to move forward. But where in your life outside of Sunday morning is that happening with your faith life? Whether it's knowledge of the Bible, whether it's knowledge of, of how you, you know, or it's just living it out. We're going to go together and we're going we're gonna to go serve somebody or we're going um, to try to affect change in this particular area as people of faith because we, we believe in this. Where... Where is it that you're living out that followership outside of Sunday morning? Because I'll, I'll just tell you, fewer and fewer people are, are, are becoming part of churches because what they, what they see is that we come and we, and, we, and we sit in our pews or we sit in our chairs and we leave. And that's about it. And I'm not, look, and, and, and I'm not talking about some sort of self-righteous, look at me, I'm so good. Right, because it can be easy to get into that, I think. But more of a, does this mean so much to me that I'm willing, that I'm willing to set to, to to set aside that time, that I seem to have been willing to set aside for all these other groups, 
in order, in order to be connected in such a way with God and with some other people to live out my faith in a powerful way. Because what I'll tell you, when you start doing that, all of a sudden it starts bleeding over. All of a sudden, you're the priest to your running group. You're the, you're, you're the pastor at the CrossFit gym. You're the one that people come to when they're, when they, when they're, when they're struggling with difficulty because they know that you're someone who is steadfast with love and with hope and with grace because you show up differently in the world than everybody else because you're focused on following Jesus. Jesus did not leave behind a theology. He did not leave behind a Bible. He left behind a community. And when he was still with them, he sent them out two by two so that they could hold each other up because two is better than one. He left behind a community and we, we are that community so many thousands of years later. But I think the great question for us is, as we are becoming human, how are we living into companionship and community that blesses the world? That outside of Sunday morning, when, when, when we come together and worship, and this is so valuable. This is so valuable. Well, I mean, you came here for some reason. It must be valuable to you somehow. It must mean something to you. It means something to me. And it is also a catalyst to send us out to be connected in the world, to be a friend to our neighbors and to all of those around us. And so I want you to think about it. As we're becoming human, as we're being being drawn into becoming fully human, which we're going to hear about next week, how is it that you are living into companionship and community. Because Jesus has set you free to love with abandon, to show forth hope in ways that other people might not understand, to be vulnerable and open and to be a friend in a way that people have not understood before. We have been set free through the waters of our baptism to live into that kind of life, to not have to create this solitary individual life just around our little nuclear family, but to use, to, but to use that base to spread a message of hope and love into the world, which it needs so much today. So I invite you just to consider these stories. What you were created for, And how are you a companion? And how are you living into a community that encourages your faith? That then touches lives with a message of Jesus. That is hope. That is life. That is love. Amen.